All right, everybody, hey, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. If you can, just go ahead and find your seat. That would be really, really good. I want to say hello to all of you that are worshiping with us for the very first time. Thank you for coming out. Um, If you're here in our main auditorium, thanks for being here today. Um, At the exact same time that you are here, we actually have two other locations at this exact same time. We are one church in multiple locations. We've got a group of people that are worshiping with us in what we call the venue. I want to say hello to all of you as well. And I want to say hello to you that are worshiping with us live right now out in North Platte. So uh, we've got a great church it's, uh, it's much, much bigger than what you see in whatever venue that you're in. And God continues to grow it, and he's doing incredible things. I think that's one of the reasons why there's 30 people getting baptized right, uh, you know, this, uh, this next coming Sunday. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. It's going to be great. One church, multiple locations, all of us coming together, New Life United. It's going to be exciting. Exciting. Well, hey, you might, uh, you might be wondering, like, what, what are you doing, man? You got, a, you got this T-shirt on, and it's called The City. It's because I'm a walking billboard today for the city. If you don't know what the city is, it's because we don't have your email address. And we want you to be a part of the city. It's a social media network that we have here just for New Life. Uh, you can be a part of New Life the Church, and then it's going to ask you to select one of our locations, the venue, North Platte, or the main auditorium. And then from there, you're going to find all of our life groups are going to be published on the city. It's where community happens. This past week, we went from about 65 people that were testing it for us for the past couple of months, and we just jumped immediately right up to about 250 people that are a part of it, and that's just going to go right through the roof. So get on board, get in there early. People are sharing uh, prayer requests. They're sharing, you know, recent books that they've read. They're creating events that are happening. I know, you know, one of our young adult ladies last night said, hey, listen, um, I know this whole cruise night thing is going on, but if that doesn't interest you, you can come over to, come over to my house. We're going to be watching uh, some movies. It's like girls' night out kind of thing. And so uh, that, I think that kind of stuff is really cool. You're going to find more community happening on the city through life groups. So you're going to want to get onto the city. If, if you want to be a part of it, look in your email box, okay, because it was sent out last Sunday. Uh, you might want to look in your spam box, but if you didn't get any of that, fill out a communications card, give us your name and your email address. We need one for each person, so a couple can't share an email address. We need one for each of you. Um, if you'll do that and drop it off at the Welcome Center, we'll make sure that you get an invite to the city. We want you to be a part of it. Don't miss out. Um, the city here at New Life is going to be fantastic. It's been a fantastic tool so far. I'm actually going to refer to it a little bit here in my sermon today with some posts that some people put out there on a question that I had. But before we do that, today we're starting a brand new teaching series. We just came off of talking about our six core values, things that are measurable and trackable that allow us to accomplish our goal, which is to strengthen your journey in Christ. And today we're going to continue a journey, um, you know, into who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at, at the Holy Spirit. We've entitled this teaching series, Forgotten God. Uh, The premise of this series is built off of a book by Francis Chan called Forgotten God. If you would like to participate in a deeper way with this teaching series, I would encourage you to go buy the book Forgotten God. You can also get onto Right Now Media where there are some, there's a video series of Forgotten God that you could also use as a supplement to 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 our teaching series. Again, if I say things like Right Now Media and you're like, I don't even know what that is. It's again because we don't have your email address. And if we did, and we had it the very first day you came, then you received an invite. And many of you have. 
but it's like Netflix for Christians. So you're going to want to get that. These are free tools that we'll offer you if we can get your email address and be able to send that to you. So getting started today with forgotten God. Have you ever, have you ever forgot something that was super important? Have you? Are you willing to admit the fact that you forgot something that was super important? Yeah. I mean, I mean, all the way back when we were in junior high, do you remember when you were in junior high um, and you were, you were sleeping and you had the dream of going to school and you forgot your pants? You guys ever have those dreams? Or was that just me? All right, I got a couple of people raising their hand. Right, a couple of people are humble enough to go, yeah, I remember those. I mean, those scary moments, right? But I'm talking about forgetting something for real. Like... Like a video that I want, you to show, I want to show you right now. If you're working on your pilot's license, please never forget this. Take a look. That brings a whole new meaning to touch and go. Uh, I don't think that that's what it really means to touch the earth with the belly of the plane. Uh, I know that as a fact. So that would, be, that would be someone that you never want to fly with for the rest of your life. Um, and that's something you'd never want to forget. But there's some other things that you don't want to forget. Like when you get gas in your car, you never want to forget to untatch the thing. This guy's driving down the interstate, you know, with, with this thing hanging out. The van is like, I'm over as far as I can go, right? Because he's like, this car is going to explode at any minute. So you don't want to forget stuff like that. If, you're, if you are a guy in this place, I guarantee you, you never want to forget your wife's birthday or your anniversary. You don't want that finger pointing at you like that, right? I told you it was your fault. Uh, so there's a lot of things you don't want to forget. There's other things, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, if you forget it, you forget it. Like, you know, if we're going out to lunch together and you forget your money accidentally, so now I can buy for you. I understand how that goes. It's an accident. You forgot to bring it. I understand. Uh, but there's other things like about six, seven years ago, uh, we were living in Omaha and we came out to Kearney for Christmas to spend Christmas with some friends. And the day was just going great. It was a blast. I had brought all my hunting gear because I was living in the downtown area of Omaha. There's not a lot of good hunting in the downtown area of Omaha. So my son's out here with me. We've got all of our hunting gear. Kim and the, and the girls are going to go back uh, to Omaha on Christmas night. And so somewhere around, you know, 30, 9 o'clock, something like that, they hit the road and they're going back home. I gave them a hug. I said, now, honey, give me a call when you get there because, you know, the roads aren't necessarily the best. I want to know that you made it. And while she's doing that, you know, I've got to get ready to go to bed because we're waking up early in the morning, you know, at the crack of dawn and we're going to get out there and we're going to hunt, right? It's going to be a blast. I'm going to use a couple of vacation days. So I'm getting everything set up, my blow-up mattress on the ground of this house that I was at. I got all my gear around there. You know, I've gotten ready now for for bed. I'm laying in bed and I'm, I'm having a hard time to go to sleep just because I'm, you know, I'm wondering like, where's my wife? Where's my kids? Did they make it okay? And now it gets about 1230 at night and I'm now going like, wow, what's going on? Right. And all of a sudden the phone rings and it's my wife. And I'm like, okay, good. At least they're alive. And so she says to me, she goes, hi, honey, we made it to Omaha. And I'm like, oh, wow, well, that's great. Now I can go to sleep because we got to wake up at like five or whatever. Um, she goes, yeah, but um, there's just one little problem. Okay, what's the little problem? The little problem is that we forgot the keys and the garage door opener with you and Carney. So we can't get in. We can't get in the house. I'm like, well, did you try to break into the house? Yeah, we tried to break into the house. Uh, I think we broke one of the screens on one of the windows. Nothing. We can't get in anywhere. 
Well, are there any lights on in one of the neighbors? You know, like I'm, <laughs> like I'm going to have my wife and my kids for the next two days live at a neighbor's house or something. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, could we call somebody and come unlock the door? Yeah, you can if you want to pay $1,000 at, you know, 1230 at night on Christmas Day. That's not, that doesn't make sense either. So instantly I realized we forgot to give her the keys and the garage door opener there with me. She can't get in. So I got to pack up all my gear at 1230 at night, put it in the car. And my son and I, we abandoned the hunting trip. And now we drive back in the middle of the night. It's freezing cold outside, guys. So thankfully we had enough gas. My wife's sitting in the, in the driveway of our house and she's able to keep the car going and we've got heat and they're trying to sleep and then they have to go pee. You know, that's, uh, it always works that way. Where, where, where do you do that at in the middle of the night? Thankfully in our community, they were still building new homes and so there was a porta potty a few doors down. <laughs> All of that because we forgot the keys and the garage door opener. So there's certain things you don't want to forget, and I guarantee you get reminded of it every Christmas. So um, there's a lot of things like that. In a church, we never want to be a church that forgets about the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be a church, and I don't want you to be a Christian that forgets about the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of reasons why we can forget about the Holy Spirit. And I want, I want to take something to a, to a deep level very quickly with you. One of the greatest reasons why we forget about the Holy Spirit is because we grow very, very comfortable and sometimes extremely stagnant in our relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus is historic, And Jesus, you can go to the Bible and you can read stories about Jesus. Jesus is almost tangible in some ways. It feels like you can tell a story about Jesus and it comes and he comes to life right in front of you. And we we talk about Jesus and we preach Jesus and we know that biblically there's no other way to get to the Father except through Christ. We know that Jesus is the one who died on the cross for us. We know that Jesus is the one who rose again from the grave. And we put a great heavy significance on Jesus, which by the way, as your pastor, I want you to know, rightly so, and you hear, you hear the name Jesus come out of my mouth often, I'm not one of these kind of preacher guys that just likes to reference God in general. I like to make sure that we know the God that we're worshiping and that his name is Jesus. You've heard me say that, you've even cheered for that. But I want to let you know today, if we grow too comfortable in just who Jesus is, then many times we forget about the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit's role in our, in our worship service because as a Pentecostal church, we have overemphasized the role of the Holy Spirit in our worship service and unimportantly de-emphasized the role of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. This is halftime. That's where you play the game out there. The best day of your week shouldn't necessarily be this day. The best day of your week should be those days when you're out there because you're full of stories because the Holy Spirit's in you and he's working through you. And you should come here bubbly and excited about the best days that you had that you can share it with us in this halftime, high five one another and get back out there and get in the game. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play. And sometimes we overemphasize Jesus to de-emphasize the Holy Spirit. But you need to know today that Jesus had a high priority on the Holy Spirit. And I want to help you see that today. Here's a couple of things very quickly. 
First off, you need to know that Jesus, he was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was fully God and fully man. If Jesus isn't, we'll take the conversation a little deeper. If Jesus comes to this earth just as God and he lives a sinless life as God, then there's no sacrifice for Jesus to give on the cross. Jesus came, yes, he is God, but he came fully as man. And he lived a sinless life because he was led by the Holy Spirit, gave his life on the cross as sinless man. Therefore, sin can be forgiven. Therefore, grace can be extended. So Jesus was led by the Spirit. Take a look at this scripture in Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. After he's baptized in water, Jesus comes out of the water and the Bible says that at that moment, Jesus became full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit into the desert for the 40 days, 40 nights as he was tempted in the desert. But that's not where the Holy Spirit stopped leading him. That's just where we see the Holy Spirit starting to do some amazing things through him. And did you realize, church, that you can't find any miracles of Jesus written that happened before this moment? That the miracles of Jesus are all depicted in Scripture after this moment. The Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit. You also need to know something about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that not only did the Holy Spirit lead him and that he was full of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So after the 40 days in the desert, he comes out. And the first verse that speaks about Jesus after the desert is verse 14 in Luke chapter 4. And it says, Jesus returned from the desert to Galilee in the what? In the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread through the whole countryside. The power of the Spirit. That's what... That's what That's what Jesus was following when Jesus laid hands on the blind eyes and they were healed. The Holy Spirit was like, go lay hands on him and pray for him. That's what Jesus was following when he said, bring me some fish. Bring me the fish and the loaves. And he started breaking them because the Holy Spirit began to tell him, this is what I want you to do. And this is how the miracle is going to happen. Jesus was following the lead of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was empowering him. But the Holy Spirit was also being used from the Father, his Father, to build relationship with him and through him. Take a look at Acts, what it has to say about this in 10, verse 38. It says, and you know, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. His Father anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus relied on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and it was through the Holy Spirit that he had communion and relationship with his Father. That means that you and me, we need the very same thing. We must have the Holy Spirit to have relationship with God. And then the Holy Spirit's role is to help us to develop that relationship with God. So you might say today, like I say, right? Man, I have Jesus and I'm thankful for him. And he forgives me of my sin and he gives me eternal life. And I would say to you, praise God. That's awesome. But you, knew, you, you realize today that without the Holy Spirit, you're going to revert back to your old ways and you're going to lose it all. Jesus 
made the way for us to have a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit helps us to continue to live a life that's worthy of worship and honoring God. If you're on the city, then you know that I I put a question out there this past week, and I said, why do we need the Holy Spirit? And a number of you, a number of you guys responded, and it was awesome. One of you, Bill Boyle, he said that we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to me daily and reminds me of what I should or should not be doing. What a gift Jesus left us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because he's here to help us build relationship with God. Thank you, Bill, for putting that out there. He's there to help lead us daily in what we should do and shouldn't do because he wants us to have relationship with God just like Jesus had relationship with God. So today, as we kick off this brand new teaching series, Forgotten God, what we want to talk about is this. I've got Jesus. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Let me give you three quick things about that. The Holy Spirit, first off, is your advocate. I know that's a word we don't always use, so I'll explain it here in a minute. If you have a Bible with you today, I'm going to be preaching out of John chapter 16. We're going to be looking at some verses, and we're going to start with verse 7 out of John chapter 16. The Holy Spirit's your advocate. It says, it is best for you that I go away. Now, this is Jesus talking. It's best for all of us, Jesus says, that I go away, because if I don't, then the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So what is an advocate anyways? Jesus is the one who is portraying the Holy Spirit as an advocate. There's a couple of critical things that you need to be reminded of concerning an advocate. First off is this. An advocate champions a cause. They stand up for a cause and they proclaim the cause. They have a cause and they proclaim it. They have a cause and they defend it. You know, they have a cause and they promote it. But another, another aspect of an advocate is kind of like a lawyer in a sense. And they, they plead your case. You have an advocate. And so the Holy Spirit is this advocate. And he is promoting a cause. And that cause is God's law. That's the Holy Spirit's first role. Is as your advocate, he, he knows God's law. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that the... That the The Gospels were written. It's through the Holy Spirit that Matthew wrote, and that Luke wrote, and that Mark wrote, and that John wrote, and that Paul wrote. It's through the Holy Spirit that the prophets of old, Jeremiah wrote, and Isaiah wrote, and Daniel wrote, and Moses wrote the first five books of the the Bible in the Pentateuch. It's through the Holy Spirit that the psalmist wrote. It's through the Holy Spirit that characters in the Bible that you read about were empowered to do things that were beyond our imagination. It's through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. He knows God's word inside and out because through him every word was pinned. And he's an advocate of it. And he's a promoter of it. And he's a proclaimer of it. And he pleads. He pleads with you and me to follow it. He pleads with us and he comes along and he encourages us to follow it. And he comes along and he guides us to follow it. The Holy Spirit is your advocate and he's promoting this in a big, massive way. And in some of your versions of your Bible, it may not use the word advocate. It may use the word comforter. It might use the word helper. It could use the word counselor. 
And all of those words mean the exact same thing. And the Holy Spirit's role is still doing that. And Jesus said boldly and with, you know, without hesitation, he said, the Holy Spirit is best. Those are not my words. Those were Jesus' words. Jesus is the one who said, it is better that I go. It's better that I go. That means something better is coming. You see, let's just take Jesus. Since Jesus is fully man, and although he is fully God, since he comes in the form of a man, Jesus can only be one place at one time. Jesus can only comfort those that are within arm's reach and within the shout of his own voice on this earth. So where Jesus could comfort hundreds and thousands at times, the Holy Spirit can comfort millions. In fact, he comforts billions. That's better. Right? Where Jesus could wrap his arms around one, the Holy Spirit can wrap his arms around everyone. Where Jesus could physically stand in one place, the Holy Spirit stands inside of your heart everywhere and is constantly comforting and is constantly advocating on your behalf and is constantly encouraging you and is constantly promoting God's cause inside of your heart. That's his role. That's what he's doing. And by Jesus leaving, the Holy Spirit was able to come. And when as Jesus left, as he died on the cross and he rose again from the grave and he ascended into heaven, you and me got this package deal from God. Our sins were forgiven. Future grace was given, which allowed for the Holy Spirit. Notice that. It's not the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Perfect in every way. The Holy Spirit was able to come and live inside of us. That blows my mind away. The Holy Spirit, the God living inside of man, how does holy God live inside of wicked man? That's why we need Jesus. Because if Jesus doesn't die on the cross and Jesus doesn't raise from the dead and Jesus doesn't ascend to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father, then there is no way for God's Spirit to come and to dwell inside of this wicked vessel called man. But by the grace of God, your heart's purified. Your spirit is purified and God's spirit lives inside of us. God is amazing. God is great. God is awesome in all of those ways. But to, but to get the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you're going to have to give me up. And the disciples, when they heard about that, they grieved. If they only knew, if they only knew what was to come, they would not have grieved. But they did if they would have known that the Holy Spirit was coming, they would have gone, Jesus, we love you. And we're so thankful for all that you've done. But we look forward to being your servants. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that lived in you, may that same spirit live in us that we could do even things that you've done and greater things. See, that's the reason why Jesus isn't a liar when he says you're going to do the same things I've done and greater things. If he says it as fully God, he's a liar. You're not God. I'm not God. You can't do godly things. You can't be God. You can't create anything. In fact, with you and me at the helm, disaster happens. But God says, through the power of my spirit, Jesus says, you're going to do the same things I've done and even greater things. Because the Holy Spirit's living in you. But we have to give up one thing to gain something else. It's kind of like, I think probably the best example of that is a, is a mom that's in here that has had children. You gave up. You gave up your own body so that you could gain the beauty of that child, right? 
I mean, if you're like my daughter Tiffany right now, Tiffany out in uh, North Platte, our campus pastors, I mean, she's ready to pop. There should be like a caution zone around her. Right? Like, don't touch her because you just don't know. It's kind of like a balloon that's been inflated too big. Like, at any moment, caution, baby could arrive. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's one of those kind of situations where you're like, how do you walk? Because, I mean, you've you got to really balance yourself perfectly. Because you can get top-heavy fast. And weeble wobble, you're falling down. So you give up your body so that you can gain this beautiful child. Every mom that's in this place would say, it was well worth it. Couples that are here that have yet to have children. Right now, Friday night comes around, you're like, hey, let's go to the movie. And you're like, let's go to the movie. Hey, let's go to the mall. All right, let's go to the mall. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have a child. And that baby's going to be born. And the next Friday that comes around, and the baby's in the crib, and you forgot that the baby was in the crib, right? And you're going to go, let's go to the movie. And you're going to be like, yeah, let's go. Oh, man, we can't just do it, can we? And you're going to have to give up a lifestyle to gain a different lifestyle, which, by the way, years down the road, you're going to go ups and downs. You're going to have roller coaster effects. But in the end, you're going to look back and you're going to say it was well worth it. And in this life, one day is going to come where you're going to breathe your last breath unless Jesus returns before that. One day, you're going to breathe your last breath and you're going to give up this life to gain something much greater. See, we're designed this way. We give up certain things to gain life. And you're going to, we give up. We give up one thing to gain something else. We gave up Jesus walking on this earth so we could gain the Holy Spirit. Now, as a Christian in this year of 2015, you know that without Jesus, you know, there is no way to get to the Father. So we, we can celebrate Christ, but we can't forget the Holy Spirit. So I want, what I want you to do is, is, since he's our advocate, I want you to practice seeking the advice of the advocate. Practice asking for the Holy Spirit's advice when you're dealing with everyday stuff in business and at home and in raising your children and decisions that you have to make. Practice seeking his advice because if you ask for his advice, I'm telling you, he's going to share it with you. If you'll take time to listen, and you're going to find out that God's more interested in the everyday things, the mundane things of your life than you ever thought possible. But if you're not seeking the advice of the advocate, man, you're going to find yourself in a difficult situation. A very difficult situation because you're going to love Jesus, but you're going to nosedive and collapse over and over and over and over again. And I'm afraid to say that when that happens too many times, you're probably just going to walk away and not come back through these doors. I want to see your life with God flourish. you got to seek the advice of the advocate. You need the Holy Spirit as well because the Holy Spirit convicts. Ah, man, you're like, I know that, but do you have to talk about that? Because... That's one of those things. I mean, convicting, yeah, he does. He convicts, and it's good for you and me. In John chapter 16, we go to the next verse in verse 8, and it says, And when he, the Holy Spirit, notice how, notice how it always refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. Notice it doesn't say, and when it comes. Right? So try to remove that from your vocabulary. It's not God the Father, God the Son, and it. It's God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. He, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Three critical things that the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us on. The first one is he's doing what? He's convicting us of our sin. 
That's good. He's convicting us of our past sin. The second thing he's convicting us of is this, God's righteousness. He's convicting us to live a righteous life. So yes, he comes and he speaks about the past and he convicts you of the things of the past, but he also speaks to you about your current situation and he convicts you to live a righteous life when you're making decisions and when you're doing certain things. You, you might sense that at times. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the last thing that he does is he convicts us of the coming judgment. He convicts us and lets us know, listen, everyone's gonna stand before God and give an account of their life. And if, if without Christ... And without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you and me are going to stand there and we're going to be judged and we're not, going, we're not going to be in eternity with God forever. We're going to be separated from God. But he convicts us of the fact that every human being needs to surrender and make Jesus their Lord and their leader and to live by that. Though, that's what he's convicting us of. And notice he's convicting and not condemning. One of the things about the Holy Spirit is that he's always going to draw you to the cross of Christ. That's called conviction. Conviction leads you to the cross of Christ. It says, you need Jesus. Condemnation says, you're worthless and you're horrible, and it pushes you away from the cross. So if you ever sense that you want to turn your back and walk away from God, that's not the Holy Spirit. If you ever sense the shame and the guilt of of your sin, and you sense that maybe God doesn't love you, and God doesn't have enough, enough grace to forgive you, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always say, come back to the Father. Come back to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit will always say. Come back. Run back to me. I mean, that's what Jesus said even about himself in John 3, 17. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the heart of God, and the Holy Spirit is helping to live that out. But you need to know something today. That without conviction, you and me, we don't have a relationship with God. Without the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, we don't get to have a relationship with God. It's the Holy Spirit that drew you to God. It's the Holy Spirit that's making your heart hungry for his word. It's the Holy Spirit that even brought you to this place today. It's the Holy Spirit at work inside of you, continuously, without sleeping, constantly drawing your heart towards God. But you have a choice today. You get to listen or you don't get to listen. It's your choice. You can listen to wisdom and follow it, or you can listen to your own voice and do what you think is right in your own eyes. And if you do that, you'll always collapse and fall short of what God wants us to accomplish in this world. I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You knew this past week that you shouldn't eat ice cream and cake, huge big bowls of it, four nights in a row. But today when you got ready and you tried to put the old jeans on, they didn't fit, and you had to go for the bigger ones that you were saving just in case. You knew you shouldn't, but you did it anyways, right? I mean, you knew that you shouldn't drive down 39th Street as fast as you were going. You knew you were 12 miles, 15, 20 miles over the speed limit. Yeah, you had a good excuse. I got to go pick my kid up and I'm late. Sure, great. But the, but the police officer didn't understand it, did he? And he gave you a ticket anyways. And now you got driving, now you got traffic school on Saturday. That kind of stuff happens. You knew that you shouldn't listen to your kids, when they said, Mommy, Daddy, please, can we have the puppy? Please, 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 please. We'll, we'll feed it. We'll water it. We'll clean up the poop. We'll do everything. Please. And you were like, I shouldn't listen, but sure, you can have the puppy. And now you're the one watering it, feeding it, cleaning up the poop. <laughs> you knew you shouldn't, but you did it anyways. 
It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us all the time, but it's your choice. Are you going to listen or not? So let me help you a little bit. First thing you need to know about the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit is that he's subtle, he's gentle, he's not controlling. If you're waiting for the skies to open up and a big trumpet to blare right before you do whatever it was that you knew you shouldn't do, it's not going to happen. Oh, I know that there's a percentage that you could be in a thunderstorm and might get struck by lightning. There are percentages, there are moments when the Holy Spirit's just going to boom, speak to you, but it's so minute. See, more often than not, the Holy Spirit is there and he whispers into your heart. And he goes, don't go that, don't go that place. You shouldn't act that way. That doesn't line up with God's word. I'm the advocate of God's word. I'm telling you, this is, this is wrong. Don't continue that business behavior. You shouldn't stay in that relationship. Don't spend your money that way. That doesn't honor God. But it's not controlling. He's just bringing up the cause of God. And he's challenging you to live righteous. It's very, very easy to blow right past the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. If you're right now in a place where you're just not sensing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're like, man, I've been in a relationship with God for a long time, but Jeff, I just don't, I just don't know that I'm sensing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're here today and, you know, you're just exploring who Jesus is. And you're going, I'm, just not, I'm not experiencing the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you three critical questions. First, is Jesus your Lord and your leader? Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is leading you to Jesus. That is true. No man, no man comes to Christ on his own volition and or on his own wisdom and knowledge. The Holy Spirit is the one who's drawing you. And by the way, just to be clear, the Holy Spirit's drawing everyone to the heart of the Father. Everyone, because he desires that none would perish. But before you give your life to Christ, it's like your ears are plugged with wax. Can you still hear? Yes. Is it harder to hear? Yes. But it's like your ears are plugged with wax. So the first thing you need to do is make Christ the Lord and the leader of your life. Open up your ears and hear what the Spirit is saying to you. But the next question you might want to ask yourself is this. Am I willfully, willfully knowing that the actions that I'm doing they break God's law. Because if that's where you're living, I guarantee you something's happened along the way. The Holy Spirit was convicting you, which by the way, he still is, but your own ideas and your own mindset and what you think is right has trumped his voice. And now you just listen to your voice and you listen to your law and you listen to your rule. And your rule speaks loud. Your rule isn't gentle and soft. Your rule is demanding and it's, you know, it's saying, I need this right now. The Holy Spirit's still there. So my advice to you is, if you know that you are willfully, disobediently breaking God's law that the Holy Spirit, the advocate stands for, repent. Let your ears be opened to start hearing the convicting voice of God again. Lastly, though, it might be as simple as you just saying, God, would you soften my heart and would you let me hear the voice of your conviction Guys, one of the first things I do when I fall flat on my face in sin is I come back to God and I say, God, soften my heart that I would hear your voice of conviction. I don't want my heart to grow hard. I don't want to miss moments. I want to sense when you're convicting me. 
That's something, church, we need to be doing on a regular basis because the Holy Spirit's role in convicting us is to build relationship with God and to convict us of the sin that would separate us from God. That's one of the big roles. You're going to have to surrender to that, that voice of the Spirit of God who's trying to build relationship with, between you and the Father. Let me tell you the third quick thing is this. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He's your guide. Like when you, if you went on a, an adventure, you would have a guide. He has been down that path before. He knows what's coming around the corner. He can teach you and instruct you what needs to happen in your life. That's what uh, John 16, when we jump a few verses, the 13 has to say to us. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. There's three things, again, that the Holy Spirit is doing as he's your guide. First, he's doing what? He's speaking truth. There you go. The Holy Spirit is speaking truth. When the spirit of truth comes, that means this. Anything that the Holy Spirit says to you is accurate, it's right, and it's pure. Anything. He can't do anything but speak truth. What's the second thing, though, that it shows us here of the Holy Spirit being your guide? The Holy Spirit reveals things from who? from God. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of the Father because the Spirit of God is the heart of the Father. And he's speaking those things to you and to me. He's revealing to us only the things that he's heard from God. So that's another beautiful thing of the Holy Spirit. He's not just sharing his own opinion. He's literally sharing the heart of God with you and me. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit tells you about the future. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit tell you about the future? Well, there's a bunch of guys on YouTube that claim that they have. Oh, man, this is what God said to me. And there's these far whacked out things. And so when we bring up stuff about the Holy Spirit telling us about the future, it can get kind of wacky. It can get kind of crazy. People are like, I don't know. This is really weird. I've heard a lot of people claim they've heard from God, and they are off the charts weird. You know why? Because people are weird. It's not because God's weird. People, you and me, we can be a weird bunch of people. We got some quirky stuff. We get some harebrained ideas. We get our emotions all jacked up over things, and we charge after things. And we claim that it's God because it's a lot easier to do that than to claim that we were wrong. The Holy Spirit tells you about the future in ways like this. You ever had the Holy Spirit kind of put on your heart to pray for someone, but you didn't know why? Some of you have experienced that. He's telling you about the future. You ever sought the advice of God, the Holy Spirit, in making critical decisions? And you sought his advice and you sensed what, what direction you should take in that decision and you made it. And then later you discovered, whether it was months or years down the road, how that was the right decision. And if you wouldn't have made that decision, you would have been in a disaster zone. The Holy Spirit's showing you the future. See, the Holy Spirit is very practical. He's not, he doesn't have to just be mystical. He, he wants to be very practical in your life, and he wants to show you these kinds of things. The Holy Spirit, he helps us make critical decisions that will lead us in truth back to the Father. So when we're looking at this situation like we do a lot of other questions, you might practice the same basic behavior. You might look at a situation that you don't completely understand, and you might say, okay, I want to know the who, what, why, when, and where. I want to know those things about a situation. If you take that same principle to the relationship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus would be the what? Like, he is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Jesus is the foundation. The Holy Spirit would be the how. He's the very practical piece. He's the piece of how do I build on this relationship? How do I practice what I know about God's word, right? He's the how, how to reveal God's word, how to, how to you know, lead you in a life of righteousness. That's, that's who he is. If you take that same example to like a driver's license, when you got your driver's license, there was two parts to it. You had to take a test, so you had to know what the laws were, right? Some of you, it took you a number of times to pass that, but you did it, and it explains a lot about your driving. Secondly, you had to show the how, Right? You had to actually get behind the wheel and you had to drive it. You had to show them, I know how to operate this car. And again, some of you, it was very thin. But you had to know the what and you had to know the how. It's very much like our, our relationship with God. You have to know the what. You have to know Jesus and him crucified. Foundation, without Christ we're nothing, we're nobody. The way, truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. But you have to know the how. If you don't, it's like cruise night, right? It's like you own this really sweet car with these amazing tires and this engine with so many cubic inches and horsepower and this special exhaust and this steering system and, you know, this jacked up carburetor or, you know, fuel injected system on the top of it. And this baby does, you know, zero to 60 and, you know, five point whatever. I mean, it could be amazing and you could own it and you could talk about it. Wouldn't it be cool to have a car like that, some of you guys? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, if you want to shell out 50,000 or more, it'd be awesome. Super cool. But then when the person says to you, well, man, nice car. How does it drive? And you're like, I don't know. I don't even know how to drive it. Dude, would that be the craziest thing ever? You spend $50,000 on this sweet hot rod that people would goo and gow over and you would have to wipe saliva off of it as people drooled on your car when they looked at it. But you don't even know how it drives because you don't know the how. In your Christianity, some of your, some of your lives are like an amazing race car, but you're missing the how. No, you know Jesus. You know the Father. But the Holy Spirit's voice is absent. The Holy Spirit's voice is not where it needs to be in your life. Today, I want to challenge you. Don't let the Holy Spirit be a forgotten God. Don't do that. That's not where we need to be. The Holy Spirit wants to be your guide, just like what Romans 8 has to say to us. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our what? Our weakness. For example, maybe you don't know, you know, what God wants us to pray. And look at this. It's for an example. That means there's many other examples. This is just one of them. Maybe you don't know what to pray and God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows All hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Today, you need to know, you've got to make a choice. Without the Holy Spirit, you're going to operate by your weakness. With the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So without him, you're operating in your weakness. And when you do that, destruction and disaster comes. But with the Holy Spirit, the end of that verse says what? It says that you can walk in harmony with God's own will. My question to you today is pretty simple. Do you want to continue walking in your weaknesses? Or do you want to walk according to and in harmony with God's will? That's why you need the Holy Spirit. 
That's why you need the Holy Spirit. I believe that as I look out into this congregation, I look in that camera, as I'm looking at to North Platte and to the venue, I believe we have a church of people that want to walk in harmony with God's Spirit. They want to walk in harmony with God's own will. And that means we have to stop forgetting the Holy Spirit and we have to start activating the advocate in our lives. You know, today, as we wrap this time up, I just want to ask you a simple question. If this circle, if inside of this circle represents God's will and outside of this circle represents man's world, where are you at today? some point in your journey, it's led you to the line. This line that goes around this whole circle, this line represents one person of the Trinity, Jesus. See, there was no way for you and me to get into God's kingdom unless we first came to to Jesus, because he's the gatekeeper, the way, truth, and the life. And when you put your faith in Christ, then that got you into God's kingdom. But now what are you trying to do in God's kingdom? You're just like, wow, I made it. Awesome. That's amazing. See, that's just the what. What are you doing in God's kingdom? Where are you going in God's kingdom? How is your life being maximized in God's kingdom? God wants you to get to the center of his will. He wants your life to be fully, complete, fully maximized. He wants all the gifts, skills, and abilities being used to promote his agenda and his kingdom. How are you going to get there? That's the Holy Spirit's job. He leads you in God's kingdom to a place where you circle around the center of God's will. My question to you today is this. If you want to walk in harmony with God's will, where would you put yourself on the circle? If you're outside the circle, your first step today is to come to Jesus. Surrender your life to him and start a brand new journey. If you're inside the kingdom and you're just floundering all over the place, your role today is just to surrender your life to Jesus and and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. I came in, Jesus, honoring you. I need to keep doing that, but I also need to surrender my life to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me how to drive my life. Teach me how to lead my life. Teach me how to maximize my life that it would be used for your kingdom. Use me. Take me to the center of God's will that my life would be maximized for your cause. That's what God's asking us to do. Where are you at in the circle? As our worship team leads us in just a moment, you're going to have the option of seeking after God with all your heart, half of your heart, or none of your heart. I want to encourage you to pursue God with all of your heart. I would encourage you to use our altars in all of our auditoriums. The altars are for the hungry, to humble yourself and to say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Fill me up and to use me in a powerful way this week as I live my life out in the world in which I'm I'm in. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit to accomplish your will on this earth. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. We thank you that the Holy Spirit convicts us. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is our guide. And that without him, we're lost and we're nowhere. Without the Holy Spirit's conviction, we're off drifting in no man's land. Without the Holy Spirit being the advocate of your word, promoting it and pleading for it in our hearts, we're lost. We're without truth. And truth liberates us and it sets us free. Sets us free from the bondage 
that we bring upon ourselves. It sets us free from the lies of this, the lies of this, of this world in which we live in. Holy Spirit, come, fill the hearts of those that are hearing my voice today. Come and fill the atmosphere of our auditoriums. Lead us in the presence of God. Open our hearts up to the presence of God today that we would know that we're standing in the Almighty's presence. Holy Spirit, lead us. Lead us to Jesus. Lead us to your heart. You're welcome. You are welcome in this place. You're welcome to draw us closer to the Father, just like your work has always been. May it be done in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.